Welcome, friends. We're Dana and Victoria, and this is Reconnecting with Pleasure, a podcast that helps you find more joy, presence, and so much pleasure by reconnecting with yourself and your desires. We're two moms, coaches, and all-around badass bitches who are obsessed with changing rules and always seeking more. More joy, more fun, more orgasms, more pleasure, more eating. And we want you to have it all, too. Hello, hello. Welcome back. We are back for another episode of Reconnecting with Pleasure. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about pleasure and rage and how you hold both. One of my favorite things to talk about. I love feeling rage, but I love feeling pleasure more. But without the rage, how do I recognize the pleasure? Can I? Say more, Dana. Say more. I don't know. I think it makes me um, appreciate pleasure and joy and good things all the more. Like being able to recognize with gratitude when good things are happening. It's because I've felt rage and sadness and grief and, 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 and. And we're human. And <laughs> we are, we are human. And I think that we have the capacity to, to feel both and many other complicated feelings along the way. I don't think I've ever heard maybe anybody, but definitely not a woman say, I love to feel rage. Mm. You like totally caught me when you started there. And I like desperately <laughs> want to hear more about that. I love it. Like, Okay, maybe I don't love it, but like there's definitely this feeling of I want to experience a rage room. Like that's one of the things that I just want to do. Like I have a couple of friends and I, we always joke about like, can we find a rage room? We could just break shit and scream and yell and just like completely destroy and shatter. There's something so releasing about that. Almost like a really good cry, you know, like, but in a different in a different way. I think that we have so many feelings within our bodies that we just don't ever release. And some of that is anger, right? Sadness and joy can come out in tears um, in other ways, but like rage, how do you release that? I mean, I think that's always the question for me. So that's why I was like really excited to hear you excited about it because I think um, it's been such a practice. It's, it continues to be a practice for me to honor my rage and to allow it because I think for a long time it really scared me. Like I can't possibly hold a feeling this big. Um, I have to swallow it, which <laughs> leads to chronic back pain and chronic passive aggression spoken from my own lived experience. But mm-hmm. um, I think you're right that for me, sometimes like I, I find crying really cathartic, but also like moving my body in different ways and recognizing that it's just an energy in the body. It doesn't have to be held and you don't have to move it in a certain way. Like rage can be moved through like, I don't know, shadow boxing, but it can also be moved through like dancing or walking or running or I don't know, sex. Right. <laughs> 
And I think, I think that's the thing. There's something about rage that feels, feels different, right? Like it feels almost like a pent up feeling in your chest or in your stomach. That's just tight that mm-hmm. almost something physical needs to happen in order to release it. And there's yes. definitely healthy and unhealthy ways to do that, which is why I think I, I'm going, I go to a rage room because for me that feels like controlled and it feels planned and it doesn't yeah, feel like, like I'm right. It is safe. It doesn't feel like road rage. And I'm like, Oh, someone just cut me off and let me, ram my car into the back of theirs or something else that's equally unsafe and destructive and lethal or deadly or what, like not in that kind of way, not in that Mm -hmm. way. Do I want to experience rage? Um, And I will say being enraged is not something that I experience or feel often. Um, Mm -hmm. But when it does, like I can definitely feel it in a way that just feels like a pent up energy that mm-hmm, me, that mm-hmm. I need to find a way to release. Um, otherwise, like, like you said, like you start back pain, like <laughs> these physical manifestations of you holding on to this, to this feeling. And I feel like that's when it, when for me anyway, it feels like everything can make me feel rage. Like it, I, I, uh, um, a way that I check in with myself is like, if I'm getting really angry or feeling rage from somebody cutting me off, that's indicative that there is something else happening that I'm not willing to look at because that is not standalone. That is not a rational response, right? Somebody (laughs) cuts me off. It might, it might make me angry. It might make me feel scared, but to have like rage about it to me is like a clear sign that there's something else that I'm holding that I haven't been willing to look at yet or do something with for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would definitely say like moments when I feel enraged, it's, it's, it's rarely about the thing that happens in that moment, but like a build up of, and this is like the tipping point. So mm-hmm. now my tea kettle is whistling. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. My tea kettle is whistling. <laughs> it is. And I'm, and I'm done and I'm about to start boiling over. And what do I need to do to take it off the heat? Yeah. That's a good way to think about it. Um, I also think about the difference between like rage and anger. And, I, mm-hmm. and I'll and i say that like in the context of, of feelings and pleasure, um, Brene Brown talks about how you can't numb one feeling without numbing all feelings. So if we're avoiding anger, grief, sadness, rage, despair... I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter which one we're trying to avoid, but by numbing any feeling, we sort of numb ourselves to all feelings. We Mm -hmm. can't, it's not a, like a light switch we can turn on and off. But for me, rage feels uniquely different from like anger. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that I'm pointing this out because I think that accessing one has helped me access the other, but like. Somebody along the way said to me that rage is a sacred emotion. And I don't know where that came from. And I can't like cite the source or, you know, date it back. It's it's certainly not mine. But there was something in that that was like, yes, just in the same way that I think pleasure, like true delight pleasure is something sacred. It is 
a feeling and experience that feels so much bigger than me. It's not happy. It's not joy. Just like rage is not anger. It's not frustration. It's, it's like, holy, it's something bigger. And, and that helped me feel, I think, like it was okay to access it, that like mm-hmm. it, it didn't have to be something I was afraid of because it's sacred. And I think I learned how to, how to really connect to it somewhere along the path of protesting and activism, mm-hmm. because I think I finally had a place where I could take action. I could do something. I could be around other people who were like, yeah, I, I'm not angry. I am, this is rage. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, it is something so much deeper and so much more collective. This is not about me. It's about something bigger. And so here's a way that I can move that into like a march or a protest or a community organizing. And I was like, oh, that's what this is, is like something deep and powerful and something we can do with it. Yeah. Like something you said makes me think about our ability to allow ourselves to feel what we feel, right? Like, I feel mm. like there's, we have to allow ourselves to feel rage and we have to allow ourselves to feel pleasure. And there's a whole spectrum of feelings and emotions between rage and pleasure. What those are may look very different for everyone. When I do feel enraged, I have to tune into that and give myself a permission slip for it to be okay and for it to feel okay. Um, And there also needs to be a, a healthy, safe outlet for that. And mm-hmm. for some people that does look like protest. For some people, it looks like kickboxing or mm-hmm. sex mm-hmm. or, you know, a, a run. I'm not running anywhere unless I'm running away from something that <laughs> threatens me or <laughs> threatens harm. Right. But I'm not running. <laughs> but for some people, that is cathartic. Right. And so when you, yeah, something you said that made me think about like this how do we allow ourselves to feel either or both at the same time? I think that's exactly it is like, for me, it required enough like healing to recognize that I didn't feel safe holding my own feelings. And as a result, then I was leaking that shit all over everybody around me. But that there's a reason that I like that I had to learn how to allow because I'd not seen it modeled before. What was modeled to me was leaking emotions all over. And so um, I think, like I said earlier, it felt scary. Big feelings felt scary to me because I felt like, well, what's going to happen if I let myself get there? And I think it took some time to recognize that like you can get there and, and rage is not actually going to kill me. And with the right tools, it's not going to harm anybody else either. Um, and the other thing that I learned that was like a game changer for me was that feelings only actually take 90 seconds to move through your body. But I had like, I had pent up so many feelings in my body that I was like, it will actually take a full lifetime for all these feelings to move. But I I think I made it out to be like, I don't have, I need to create some space and time to feel these feelings that I made it this like task on my to-do list almost when all it actually is, is really witnessing like, oh, this is what's coming up for me right now. 
oh, that's why my stomach is feeling really tight and tense. Oh, okay. If I just allow it, it goes away. This was like fucking mind blowing to me for the record. It was like really mind blowing. Um, and I've found it to be so permission giving that I actually only need two minutes to take a pause and check in and witness and hold and release. And I can find so much ease and release. I love, yeah, I love that. I had not thought about like this 90 seconds to move through your body. Cause I think Anytime I, I feel like this, I mean, maybe it is rage or maybe it is anger. Um, that like breathing, right? Like just taking, mm -hmm. like pausing and taking some really deep breaths and letting it out really slow. Um, there's so, it, it feels like the most underrated thing ever, right? There's a whole mm -hmm. practice of different practices of breath work that, allows you to get more in touch and with yourself and grounded and like it is mm -hmm. grounding like i've had to do it in the car like because yes i do get annoyed and <laughs> depending on what has happened all day before it i could i could be enraged by the end of it Same. um but like like i just need to breathe and i feel so much better i feel so Same. much better I, um, you were talking about all the ways that we can move, move the body to move the energy. And, and for me, sometimes it's stilling my body. Like I, I use meditation a lot to notice and release feeling. So I, I just mm -hmm. want to add that sometimes mm -hmm. it is something really physical and sometimes it's not. Yeah. I would love to talk a little bit about this idea that if I am experiencing pleasure that I'm not enraged by things that are happening in the world around us that are very <laughs> enraging and how how can we still experience pleasure in the midst of chaos mm -hmm. and it's not easy uh necessarily i feel like i'm hearing a lot of white women talking about this right now following the overturning of roe versus wade and just the um, I guess I'm probably like the last five years and the increased misogyny and um, not increased, but increased attention or more public. I don't know another way to kind of say that. But and and I, I think I'm hearing a lot of folks grappling with like, I don't know how to be intimate with this person who's who's a white man whose life is not being impacted while mine is being impacted. And I think depending on your identities, some of us were born into that type of dynamic and have been learning and f navigating it forever. And some of us are just coming into it. But I, I do think that it's a challenge that a lot of people experience when the world is both literally and figuratively on fire. I mean, when we think about climate and human rights domestically and globally, the economy seems like it's on the brink of recession. I mean, there's so many things. Um, and so it can feel really hard to, I, I don't want to say turn it off, but I think that's the way we think about it is like, I need to turn my brain off. And guess what? When you try to turn your brain off, it doesn't actually work because brains don't turn off. I think, Dana, it's exactly what we're talking about, which is being able to say, I am feeling tremendous anxiety right now about the economic future that we have coming, like what might happen. I am feeling despair about the climate 
and and allowing ourselves to hold some space for that and to witness and and be with it so that then we can say like okay it's not all in my body i've released it and so now i can use my body in other ways and feel and experience pleasure um but again, I, I'm not sure how well many of us know how to do that, to like release it and not try to just turn it on and turn it off. Mm -hmm. I think people get stuck. If yeah. I'm ex again, if I'm experiencing pleasure, I'm not mad enough. Or what are other people going to think if they see me doing X, Y, and Z and not elemental P, whatever it is that other people think that mm -hmm. they should be doing or um, showcasing <laughs> their rage. Mm -hmm. um, I was at a music festival a few weeks ago. I think it was, let's see, Roe v. Wade was overturned on a, what day was it? A Wednesday? Maybe? I'm not sure, but this was basically like sure. two days later, right? It, yeah, it was two days later. Um, and I was at a music festival on Friday. So maybe it was like Thursday. So it was like Wednesday or Thursday. I was at the music festival on Friday, or maybe it was the same day. I don't, I don't remember. I'm not good with um, days and dates. Um, and someone came over, let's call her Barb, because that's what I've nicknamed her, Barb. <laughs> um, Barb. And, my, <laughs> and um, you know, like we are, it's, we are, we my friends and I are in full pleasure mode. We are listening to music. We're dancing. We're, uh, we're laughing. We are, we're living our best lives on this Friday evening at our local music festival. And um, someone came over and was like, have you heard? Do you know? So it must've been the same day. It must've been later in the day. Of course we've heard, of course we know, and we're still here. Right. And yeah, we are, we're mad. We're angry. We're, <laughs> and we are also experiencing pleasure. And she's like, what are you going to do? Are you protesting? And we're like, what, what, what ma'am, what are you talking about? It was just such a strange interaction for me in that moment. And this assumption that because we're here and we're enjoying ourselves, let's note that she is also there. And I hope that she was enjoying herself. Otherwise, that feels like a wasted opportunity. It seems like it was probably pretty clear to Barb that that wasn't a protest, that it was a music festival. Like, she didn't think she was at a protest, right? She, I don't think she thought she was at a pro... pro I'm not sure where, where she thought she were. And I also want to note that people protest in different ways, right? Mm -hmm. Like, be, if I am not... I don't know, holding up a sign and marching to the state house, that does not mean that I'm not protesting in my own way, Barb. Um, my friend had on like her Pearl Jam Planned Parenthood t-shirt. Like that was her moment of like, I'm honoring my love for music and I'm also, you know, representing and showing up in the way that I know how that I can in this moment. And I'm also going to continue to enjoy things that bring me pleasure so that I can live another day to, to speak out and protest again, protest does not look like the same for everyone. It could be writing a letter. It could be making a phone call. It could be 
I don't know. Your own existence. Existing My own for some folks is fucking a fucking existence. Protest. So when Barb stopped us on our way out of the festival to say, protest, I responded with, my whole life's a protest. <laughs> Just my mere existence is a protest. Barb. Yeah. I, again, her name's not Barb. I don't know what her name was. But. Listen. <laughs> I mean, and like, real talk, like, your girl, I, I got arrested eight times protesting Amazing. and disrupting the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court because I understood what this meant then. And I put my life on hold. And, and I'm not saying all this to get a trophy, but what I'm saying is that when Barb shows up with no context to who you are or where you've been, and did I, I, I didn't go to a Roe v. Wade protest. Mm-hmm. Real talk. I didn't because I'm like, you all flood the streets. I've been in the streets. I'm fucking tired. And I don't want to be in the streets today. I want to be with my family today because I wasn't with my family then. And each of us also is doing different things in different moments. And mm-hmm. I, I say often that like any good sports team, it's always funny when I make a sports analogy, BTW, but <laughs> you have a bench, right? Do you know you don't the put sports? all your Listen, what sports? The sports. The sport. um, <laughs> I don't know, I don't, which is why they're just the sports for me. <laughs> but any sport, a lots of sports, a team sports, let me say team sports, there's a bench. The same is true in movements for justice. This is not, this is the long haul. It is not the short haul. Nothing is changing overnight. And when it does change overnight, somebody's trying to change it back. We had abortion access for 50 fucking years. And every day of those 50 years, there were people trying to take it back, right? It's mm-hmm. not as simple as we get and we, we win and we lose and we go and we don't go. And so for the folks who are truly working towards liberation, it is a daily practice. And our joy is a part of it. You get on the airplane. They tell you if you're traveling with a child and the oxygen mask drop, what do you do? You put your mask on first. Mm-hmm. A, a, a movement for liberation cannot be fueled by people who only ever are in a state of rage and who are in the streets. Like we all have to take turns and get in and out and we all do it in a different way. Again, for some people just our existence is resistance. I hear that, um, but that protest call often, especially in trans spaces, a hundred percent. Barb, resistance is resistance. Take a seat, I wouldn't Barb. be able to recognize Barb if I saw her on the street today, but she will be remembered forever. <laughs> I think I think that to me, one of the things that gets in the way back to like how do you hold both is our guilt gets in the way. Mm-hmm. And I think like um real talk for just a minute, especially for for white women who are newly recognizing what many other folks have experienced for their whole life and for generations, there's an element of that, of guilt and shame. That's like, how did I not know? Or like, I feel guilty because I'm not doing more. And um, number one, guilt is not useful. So I'm not saying like, oh, you should feel guilty or anything like that. But like, Yeah, there's a reality here that I feel guilty for a reason because I'm now recognizing that there are are people who have been doing something that I didn't even know was happening for a long ass time. And now I'm like, oh man, I didn't even realize. And that drums up guilt for a lot of people and that's normal. 
But when we let that guilt live in our bodies, the same way as like we're not processing through rage or anger or other stuff, it's getting in the way. So you, you, you know, then it's like, well, I feel guilty having pleasure because other people are suffering. That's self-indulgent. Their suffering is not being minimized because you're sitting here feeling bad about it. So acknowledge it, do something about it, find your joy, live your truth and keep it moving. But I think for a lot of folks, it's like we sit and spin in, in shame and guilt, which makes us, me individually feel better, but doesn't actually change anything. And it doesn't actually even make me feel better because I'm missing out on life because I'm just spinning in shame and guilt or we avoid and we put our heads in the sand and pretend things aren't happening so we can have guilt. But I think you you just said before, Dana, like we are humans. We have the capacity to hold complex emotions and more than one at one time. And I think that the skill here and the practice is being able to do both. Like we can be really fucking angry. We can be really sad. We can be grieving and we can still have joy. We can do two things at one time. Multiple things can be true. We just have to build our capacity to acknowledge that two things are happening and allow two things to happen. Mm-hmm. But like my, my mother died 10 years ago. I was, I was 30. And and people will often, I mean, actually almost nobody ever asked me about it because people in, especially in US culture, don't want to talk about death and dying no. and grief. But when they do, I will often say that the day my mother died was one of the, or the, that moment I was with her was one of the most peaceful and illuminating moments of my life. And I, I think that for a lot of us, we're so accustomed to avoiding grief that we lose sight of what else is in there. But in that moment, I also had the opportunity to feel what unconditional love actually looks like, which is a willingness to just be, to just be together. Mm. My presence and her presence is, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. It was a profound moment in my life. And was it, was it devastating? A hundred percent, but I could hold both and I could be there with her in that moment because I could hold the agony of the grief and also the incredible beauty of the love. Mm-hmm. And if we can do that in, in those moments in, you know, tragedy, we can do it in all the moments of yeah. tragedy and, and goodness. I love that. Victoria, you have a lovely story about straight people at pride. Oh, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we were at pride a couple weeks ago and, um, it was so, so, um, number one, I just, I do want to be clear that like, I don't know everybody's identity who's at pride and the idea that I could pretend to know is nonsense, but, but there are people wearing like ally shirts. Like there are people that I think, mm-hmm. um, make it known that they're there in support and not as a person who's a part of the queer community. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, we started this conversation after like, well, why do, why do straight people come to pride? Like, what is it about that? Mm-hmm. And number one, I laughed because I was a, before I came out, I went to more prides, I think before I came out than I have since I've been out. Um, and I could unpack for myself. That's another whole separate podcast episode. <laughs> um, but we were talking about how pride is, um, is fun, right? It's joy. It's um, permission giving that at pride, people wear what they want. They love how they want. They show up how they want. 
Um, and there's something about that unfiltered authenticity that I think is like contagious. I, it almost feels like a high, like it is really something to be a part of. And I, I said, like, I think that people really, they, it's like contagious. Who doesn't want to be around us when, when this is how we're celebrating, right? But the flip side is that folks who don't live it every day get to come and feel excited and like, this is all cool. And then they leave and their rights aren't being legislated about whether you can be on a sports team or you can access life-saving healthcare, or if you can adopt or you can get married or you can get healthcare or whatever. Right. And I think, um, this to me is the same dichotomy of like, I want to take all the goodness without holding the rage and pride is a fucking protest. It started as a riot. It continues to be a protest. It is a joyful protest, which is my favorite kind, but pride isn't a parade. It is an assertion that we get to live here. We get to exist. We get to take up space. We get to be who we are, mm -hmm. which is exactly what so many other spaces are. Juneteenth celebrations, the Puerto Rican Day Parade, right? There are so many cultural celebrations that are about, yes, they're a celebration, but rooted in that is the we're going to take up our space and we're going to celebrate who we are and our right to exist. And people come and find joy without understanding the trauma that's below it, the rage that's below it, the marginalization, the harm, all of it. Dude, don't come to pride and just take the glitter. Don't do it. I mean, pride and a lot of these other things are almost feel like spectator sports and that I get to be a part of, I get to, I get to watch it, but I don't have to be part of the team. Right. And that team is not just the folks who identify with those identities, but also like part of the team. There are team managers, there are coaches and we're going back to sports analogies, but I don't know anything about sports. Um, there's so many, there's so many, the water boy, I don't know. Um, but there are so, so many people who, who have to do the work to make this team mm -hmm. successful and no, no one wants to do the work. Right. Like I think I was having, not, I think I definitely had some feelings around, um, you know, Juneteenth and everyone getting the day off. And I'm like, but wait, hold the fuck up. <laughs> Why do you get the day off? What? Like I, I get the day off. Yes. Um, I feel like I've earned the day. I feel like all of, all of the people who came before me earned the day. Mm -hmm. Why do you get the day off too? And I think last year, the organization that I work for um, did these, I don't know what they were called. They were like workshops or something. Um, I'm like, I'm not doing, <laughs> why do I have to do work on my day off? Because mm -hmm. it fell on a Friday, I think, um, or whatever day it was. So it was like the observed day for the institution. Um, and that's the day off. And you want me to... As a black woman, you're asking me to come to work and do some work. Uh, yes, I know that you you think it's an affinity circle or space or what. That feels like work to me. This is with people that I work mm -hmm. with, right? If I have mm -hmm. I have people to gather with, I have friends, I have family. I don't I don't need to gather with work people on my day off. Like you, 
and I'm I'm on it. I'm blabbering now, but no, it, we, I honor it. How, how are we all on the same team and doing our roles so that we can win? Right. Listen, we can win and, liberation. And I, we can win freedom. We can win equality. Like everybody has a role to play. We all have to do the work and we have to do the work together. And we can do that. We could be right. Ra- we can be enraged and we can also have fun while we do it. I totally believe that like most things that we can do, how do we incorporate a little bit of joy into that? Whether it's we're doing this as a community and that means I get to be with people who I love and respect and care for and we care for each other while we're doing this work together. Um, that's joyful and pleasurable to me. Mm-hmm. And th- I mean, to me, we're all on the same team and good intentions don't win games. You have to listen to the people who know the game. How are we really still on a sports <laughs> But this is back to, if we want to know how to honor Juneteenth, stop trying to just, I don't get to say like, I think we should honor, shut up, listen to people, right? I think you're right. What we don't want to do is give black people all the day off and have white people go to the workshops about Juneteenth, which is really probably how we should be honoring it, which is. Uh, white folks learning our history and having to really sit with it and look at it and actual relaxation and rejuvenation for the folks who are consistently harmed by our lack of ability to look at history and understand it. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have a whole separate podcast episode about that. But it's again, at pride, there's this new um, trend of mom hugs, like moms coming to pride with like mom hugs, hugs at pride. And it's like, Boo-boo, I, I love your hugs, don't get me wrong, but I would much rather you go to the school board meeting in your town every single month and make sure that trans kids in your community can go to school safely. Like, your hugs are well-intentioned. They're not making it safer for us. Workshops on Juneteenth are well-intentioned. They're not making it safer. So let's be on the same team. And the same team is like liberation and safety, not Mm -hmm. feeling good at the end of the day. Right. And then feel that rage, channel it, and do something that brings you lots of fucking pleasure. Right. I mean, you can do your workshop, but you know what you could do that's better is pay me more money. (laughs) I think we end right there. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. That's all for today. Thanks so much for spending your time with us. Don't forget to smile at yourself in the mirror, have an orgasm, and laugh until your belly hurts.